Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Well, hey, all my future paleontologists. So nice to have you with us for this episode. Uh, I want to give a shout out real quick to the schools where I have done virtual lessons. Marshall Hill Elementary in West Milford, New Jersey. Thank you for having me as your teacher. Sem Elementary in Frisco, Texas. Nelson Elementary in Palm City, Florida. And then Westbrook Elementary, also in West Milford, New Jersey. For all of you that have had me, thank you so very much. I appreciate it immensely. I also did a couple of private lessons, and then I did a birthday party for a young man named Ritter. So happy birthday to you, Ritter. And thank you all. I got some great news on my desk this morning. I saw this message and couldn't believe it. We have now, we have listeners that listen to this podcast now in over 55 different countries across the world. We have listeners in 55 different company and the top 10 or company country, the top 10 countries who listen to this podcast in the order from first to from the top, top listeners. Well, that's the United States because that's where I'm located. After that is Canada, then Australia. You know, I've been telling you guys, I've been getting all kinds of messages from people in Australia. They are coming on strong. After Australia, in the fourth position is United Kingdom. I've got family over there. Then in fifth place is Germany. Sixth is South Africa. Seventh is Denmark. Eighth is Belgium. Ninth is New Zealand. And in tenth place is France. Now, like I said, I've got listeners in 55 different countries. I can't go through all of them, but I want to thank every single one of you every one of you for being a listener. And as long as you can help spread the word, I hope to see your countries grow in position. Uh, So if you are listening in one of the top 10 that I mentioned, tell your friends about the podcast and tell them to uh, listen because it'll, it'll uh, boost your country's ratings. All right. So thank you all so very much for that. All right. Let's get into something that's incredibly important. And that would be the it's time for our feature creature segment if you would like to suggest a creature go to the dinosaur george kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the dinosaur george kids facebook group page now here is your feature creature today's feature creature was the star of one of the first amazing dinosaur movies that ever existed. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? What is that? What is Oh no. Oh no. That's Dilophosaurus. Ooh. And that happens to be today's feature creature, Dilophosaurus, or you may pronounce him Dilophosaurus. This dinosaur was made famous in the first Jurassic Park movie. In the very first Jurassic Park movie, Dilophosaurus became a superstar. So let me say from the beginning that there's no evidence that Dilophosaurus had a frill around its neck. And there's absolutely no evidence that it spit that black tar-looking venom. Um, So that's just for the movie. It is okay to have toys with the frill. I thought it looked cool. It was so cool. But it's not scientifically accurate. Okay? So I just want you to remember that that is not what it actually looked like. They just added that for the movie because they thought it made it look even cooler. So just so that you know up front, Dilophosaurus does not have a frill, and it does not spit any sort of venom. But that doesn't limit what this thing really was. What you saw in the movie was a baby. You saw a juvenile. You saw an infant. 
Now, they gave it all those amazing extra weapons because they wanted it to be vicious in the movie. When I went to go see that movie for the first time, there was a lady who took her little boy with, with her to go see it. And the little boy was really scared. And that's a scary movie when you're really, really young. If I were little, my mom wouldn't let me watch it until I got a little older because it's very scary. But this mom let her son come in and watch it, and the little boy was terrified. And finally, that little Dilophosaurus showed up, and the mom told her son, Now look, it's a little cute baby. And so the little boy liked it until that thing opened that frill and screamed, and that poor little boy had to leave. They had to leave the theater because it, it terrified him so much. Dilophosaurus is not the little dinosaur that you saw in Jurassic Park. Dilophosaurus is big. This is a dinosaur that may have reached sizes of about 23 feet. That's seven meters. It was five feet tall. That's like 1.5 meters. And then it weighed eight, well more than 800 pounds, probably close to 900 pounds. And that means 400 kilograms. That's how big this thing was. In the movie, of course, you know, it made it look like this cute little interesting sweet little animal but listen this guy was the biggest predatory dinosaur of its time this is a very early dinosaur it lived in the early jurassic about 199 to back to be about 189 million years ago and it was a very successful dinosaur by the way it lived for a very long time for millions of years this thing existed so dilophosaurus is a very successful dinosaur now, they've only been found in Arizona, although there's another species of Dilophosaurus that comes from Asia. Uh, I can't remember its name, but um, but I've not done study on it for years, for, for probably 30 years. So it may not be even considered a Dilophosaurus anymore. It may be something else, but, but it, uh, th- it does appear that they lived in other countries, but definitely in the state of Arizona here in the United States. And like I said, this thing is big. It is relatively lightly built. And what I mean by that is its bones are not super heavy duty. And that suggests two things. One, that it was probably pretty fast. And two, it was probably not really designed for fighting with big animals. It it certainly could kill big animals. See, some animals are, think about dogs. Think about a Rottweiler and a Greyhound. If you don't know what those dogs are, go look them up. A Rottweiler is a very heavily built dog. It is made for a fight. A Greyhound is a fast dog. It's not made for fighting. It's made for speed. Well, think about a cheetah and a lion in Africa today. Cheetahs are made for speed. They are lightweight Lions are brutes. They're heavy duty. So Dilophosaurus was lightweight, but still a very, very powerful dinosaur with really large claws on its hands and big teeth. Now, one of the weirdest thing about its teeth, its teeth in its upper jaw were almost twice as long as the teeth in the lower jaw. So, so it's got really big teeth on the top and relatively small teeth on the bottom. Sort of makes it like a hatchet head. A hatchet is a tool used to slam down into wood to cut it. I think this thing is smashing things with those upper teeth and digging in and using the bottom ones to tear and rip it apart. This is a vicious dinosaur. Don't get me wrong. Dilophosaurus is amazing. It is an amazing dinosaur. Now, the most amazing thing about it, of course, are the two thin crests on the top of its head. They sort of look like if you took a plate and cut the plate in half and glued it to the top of its head, that's what these crests kind of look like. Unfortunately, nobody knows for sure what they look like because the crests were so thin they don't fossilize as well. So when scientists find them, they don't find them complete. The crests may have been even differently shaped than I'm, than I'm describing. They could have crests that were considerably larger than what we're thinking. So those crests are the first thing you look at. And of course, the question becomes, what was their purpose? Well, to understand the crest of Dilophosaurus, we need to look at the crest of its closest living relatives. That is birds. Birds are the closest living relative to Dilophosaurus. 
And so look at the function of the bird's crest. Like Dilophosaurus, the crest on birds are very, very thin. But they have a very thick covering of keratin that protects them. Keratin is what your fingernails are made of. It's a very heavy-duty material that protects that thin crest and gives it some stability and strength. Now, in birds, like the toucans and the, well, I don't, uh, not toucan, hornbills, and uh, who else? Cassowaries. Those crests are connected to the nasal passage, meaning that they have a function Maybe it is when they breathe in, you have receptors in your nose that pick up the scent of what you're smelling and it sends a signal to the brain and it tells you what you are smelling. A dog has way more of those receptors in its nose and therefore a dog's sense of smell is considerably better than a human's. So if you look at Dilophosaurus, it's possible that when it breathes in, If indeed its crest was connected to its nasal passage, all of that space in there could have receptors. Its sense of smell may have been unimaginable. Its sense of it may have been able to smell water from 10 or 20 miles away. It might have been able to smell prey. A mile, two miles, five miles away. I don't know. But think about the advantage of having that amazing thing enhance your sense of smell. Was that really what it was for? I don't know. Is it possible that the crest could help create sound, that they could use it as a resonating device to help it produce a sound to communicate? It's possible. But here is the one thing that I do believe it would have served a purpose for. When we find dinosaur skin, we do not find sweat glands. We don't find where they had pores in their skin where they could sweat. So in order to get rid of heat, they have to figure out a way to do it. In a crest, if you force the blood up into the crest, the blood then comes in contact with the air around it. And when you breathe out, Your breath travels through the crest and the air moving through it could kind of grab the heat from the blood and take it with it and send it outside. Like, for instance, if you had an exhaust fan, you turn it on and the air traveling draws out the smell or smoke or heat with it. Like in a building, that's what an exhaust fan does. But in the crest of Dilophosaurus, it may have been used to help it cool its body down. It lived in an environment that was very hot and probably very humid. And so excess body heat would have built up. When you're a dinosaur, you have a kind of a small brain. You cannot let your head overheat because it will affect your brain. So you need to get rid of that heat. Some animals like a dog will pant, right? They open their mouth and they pant. They are getting the heat from their body to leave That's what panting does. But in the case of Dilophosaurus, it may be possible that Dilophosaurus was doing it to rid heat, but it wasn't panting. It was simply breathing out. And the air going out would have been superheated, taking the heat from its body. Is that the function of the crest? I don't know. Nobody knows. But what we do know is the crest is relatively thin bone. So that would mean it's probably very breakable. But what if the keratin covering was super thick? Do you know there are some birds that use their crest to fight? Look at a cassowary. It can run through the weeds and through the bushes with its head down using its crest like a battering ram. It doesn't shatter the crest, but if you remove the keratin covering, that crest is very thin bone. So the thicker the keratin covering, the more effective. It may be possible that it was so well armored, it's like wearing a football helmet. They may have come in crashing into each other and using that crest as a a way to knock something over. Who knows? The great mystery of paleontology is we don't have all the answers. And that's something that I love about paleontology is that we don't have all the answers. Last thing about Dilophosaurus I want to mention, 
what exactly did it eat? It's It's got those really odd-shaped upper teeth. It has lower teeth. It has serrated teeth. It has big claws on its hands. What was this thing eating? Well, my best guess is that it was probably eating, uh, well, let me go back. If you look at the skull, it has this hook in its upper jaw, sort of like the hook or a crook. Some people use the word crook to to describe that little dent, indention up there. It's like looking at a crocodile. When you look at a crocodile's upper jaw, there's a dent in it. When you look at Spinosaurus, it has that dent in it. When you look at Dimetrodon, it has that dent in it. Some people believe that that thing is a sign of being a fish eater. That that dent allows you to grab a slippery fish so that it can't escape. That dent kind of is like a spot that holds the fish in place. Is that what it was for? Does that then mean that Dilophosaurus is eating fish? I think Dilophosaurus would eat anything it came in contact with, unless it was just simply too big to catch it on its own. Dilophosaurus, not a lot is known about it. I think they found a total of maybe five skeletons. By the way, one of them was a juvenile. They found a, a juvenile. How exciting is that? So it's an amazing dinosaur, but it's kind of a rare dinosaur. I don't have all the answers for Dilophosaurus, but I want you all, I want all you listeners to go out there and do some research on Dilophosaurus. Go online and read about it or look in your book. If you have a Dilophosaurus toy and it happens to have the frill around its neck, that's okay. You can have that. The movies, the Jurassic Park movies were not made to be scientifically accurate. They were entertainment. And if you want a Dilophosaurus with a frill that spits venom, that's perfectly fine. I think it looks cool. But I just wanted you to remember that they don't actually have the frill. All right. If you would like for me to do a virtual lesson for your school or just for you personally, here's some information about that. Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, this first question was posted on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. Any of you can follow that page, become a, a member of it. It's completely free and open to everybody. This question comes from James, who is five years old from Sydney, Australia. I just mentioned all the people from Australia here. James is one of them. So James says, how did Elasmosaurus catch its food with such a long neck? Great question, James. So if you've ever seen an elasmosaurus, some people call them plesiosaurs. That's the family it's from. Elasmosaurus is a member of the plesiosaur family. When you say plesiosaur, think of the Loch Ness Monster. They have a big, long, incredibly long neck with four big flippers and sort of a rounded body shape. So James wants to know, how did it catch food with such a long neck? That is an excellent question, James. One of the difficult things about living in the water is it's not easy to move around in the water because the water slows you down. So was it using its neck sort of like a snake? Could it move its neck? Well, the problem with that is that sounds good, but how effective was that? Like he can't swim like that. His big body is the thing that's swimming. My guess, James is that it probably struck like a snake. And what I mean by that is it probably bent its neck sort of in the shape of the letter S. And that's what snakes do. They kind of, it's almost like a spring. They are pulling back on a spring. And when they flex their muscles, it neck straightens out really fast. I believe Elasmosaurus is swimming with its neck 
sort of in that weird S shape. It would have looked kind of odd. And I think the minute it spotted its prey, it would get close. Well, one of the benefits of that is if you are a fish and you're afraid of him, you think he's much farther away than he really is, right? Because if you bend that neck back, now your neck is closer to your body. You can't really tell how close it is. But when it straightens that neck out, that head suddenly flies about 25 feet forward. All of the sudden, you don't have time to escape. I think it's like a trap. I think it sits there with its neck bent back, ready to go. And when something swims by, it snaps it forward. Now, I don't mean it could curl its neck like, the, like a snake can bend its body. Its vertebrae aren't made like that. But I think it certainly bent it back a little bit so that it could at least spring forward. Now, other people believe that because its flippers are so large, it could turn directions really fast. Maybe it swam with its neck straight ahead and its body was was ducking and diving and moving to be able to let its head catch the fish. I don't have an exact answer for you, James, but my best guess is that I think it was bending that neck back and shooting it forward like an arrow but whatever it grabbed you, its teeth were going to get you. You weren't going to let loose. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is from Darwin, age four, from Sydney, Australia. I told you guys we're getting a lot of people from Australia. Uh, Darwin says, hi, George. I love your podcast. Thank you. I li- I'm glad that you listened to him, buddy. I just listened to the Woolly Mammoth podcast. What is Mastodon's predator? Okay, well. Mastodons were giant elephants living alongside of the woolly mammoths. We covered that in my previous podcast. Mastodons would have had the same uh, predators that the mammoths had. That would be the short-faced bear. That would be the saber cats. That would be any of the large dogs. All of those animals are going to be going to be predators against Mastodon. But just like the mammoth, they're probably going to hunt the young ones. Darwin says, I actually have three questions. Here's some other ones. Are mastodon's tusks long? They are long, Darwin, but they are not as long as a mammoth. Mastodon's tusks are not as long as a mammoth because mammoths are real curved and really big. If you straightened out a mammoth's tusk, it would be probably three times the length of a mastodon. But mastodon tusks are still pretty, pretty straight. And then finally, did mastodons get frozen like woolly mammoths? They didn't. To my knowledge, Darwin, we've never found a frozen mastodon. And here's why I think that. Mastodons were not really made for being in the super cold climates. They were better suited for being in the more temporal or the little bit warmer climates. So mastodons lived a little farther south. A mastodon could have gotten trapped in ice and died, But the problem is because where they live, that ice would have melted over all these hundreds of thousands of years because the ice caps used to be way farther south than they are now. So if mastodons were frozen, when the sun finally melted those ice, the ice that covered it, that body would rot and decompose. It's the mammoths that died in the super north regions of the world because it's never thawed out there. Even after all those hundreds of thousands of years, it's never thawed out. So those bodies are still frozen. Okay. Uh, uh, It said, thank you for making your podcast. Well, I'm I'm happy to do it. And thank you, Darwin, for listening. Okay. This comes from um, Michelle, age 10, from, you got to be kidding me, from Australia. Woohoo! Nicely done. Uh, Let's see. Hey, that wasn't Michelle. That's Michael. I can't believe I read that. That's correct. Okay, sorry. I'm reading another note. Michael, I'm sorry. It's Michael. Could Dilophosaurus spit venom? Hey, perfect timing, buddy. Perfect timing. It is not. There's no evidence that it spit venom. There's no evidence at all that it even had venom. As a matter of fact, Michael, there's no evidence that any dinosaur had venom. But I will say this. I would not be surprised if we don't discover they did, or at least some of them did. Dinosaurs are from the same family that created the reptiles, and there's a lot of venomous reptiles. So it may be possible that there were, but just as far as Dilophosaurus, 
The answer is there is no evidence to support that. All right, William, age six, from Rochester Hills, Michigan. After listening to your podcast, William is writing, and this is from William's mom or dad. After listening to your podcast, William is writing a nonfiction book in his class all about Spinosaurus. He has a question for you. Here's William's question. What facts do you think I need to write in my story? So far, I wrote about how big Spinosaurus is, what he eats, and what his sale was for. Well, first, William, it sounds like your book is going to be very exciting, or your story is going to be very exciting. I would also include where it lived. I would include what time period it lived. I would include some of the animals that lived with it. Like, for instance, you could say Spinosaurus lived in Egypt and Morocco. They lived during the mid-Cretaceous period. And living alongside of it were dinosaurs like Carcharodontosaurus. So you can list that. Uh, you can list, you can do some research and find out what the environment was like. Did Spinosaurus live in a swamp? Did it live in a desert? Did it live in a forest? Maybe you should talk about what color you think it is and explain why you chose the colors. If it's hunting in the water, maybe it was colored the same way a shark is colored. Do some research and find out why they're colored that way. So those are some ideas uh, William, that I think will help you. And I would love to read your story. It would be a great story um, or, or a book. It sounds like it's going to be great. Okay, finally, last question. This comes from Reese, nine years old from Frisco, Texas. Hi, Dinosaur George. I'm Reese at Spears Elementary. Hey, I did a show for Spears Elementary. I have two questions for you. Why did you lower the money every question? And why did you say other animals other than camel? <laughs> Oh, this is the best. Oh, this is the best. Okay, let me explain everybody what's going on with this question. <laughs> okay, when I do a virtual lesson, I play a game where I ask questions for kids. And, and in the game, I say, if I win, all the kids have to pay me $5 billion. But if I lose... I have to pay all the kids $5 billion. So that's the game. Well, sometimes in the game, when I find out I'm losing, I start changing the rules a little bit and cheating. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Reese wanted to know why I was cheating in the game. <laughs> it's because I'm a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Okay. So that's for that. That's why he asked that question. <laughs> All right, let's take a, tea, a quick break. And when we come back, who would win? Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. It is time to step into the ring and find out who would win. This, this episode, I have a lot of them. So here we go. This first one comes from Isaacy Packy. Yeah, Isaac Isaacy Packy Cephalosaurus. Okay, that's what it is. Isaac is a member of the Patreon T-Rex Club and one of the things that you are allowed to do is you can give yourself your own nickname. So Isaac came up with Isaacy Packy Cephalosaurus. Okay, so here is Isaacy Packy Cephalosaurus's who would win. Ankylosaurus versus Indominus Rex. Nice. Ankylosaurus is a heavy-duty dinosaur. Most carnivores wouldn't mess with an adult ankylosaurus because their jaws are not strong enough to go through their body armor. And if they get hit by that tail, game over. 
So Ankylosaurus is crazy slow, but super heavy duty. Fighting him is like fighting a tank. But Indominus Rex is different. When I said big carnivores wouldn't attack it, Indominus Rex is different. Because Indominus Rex didn't evolve. Indominus Rex was made in a laboratory. And he got the best of everything. Speed. Intellect. Weaponry. If one dinosaur on Earth would have been able to take on an adult Ankylosaurus, it would be Indominus Rex. But taking it on and winning are two different things. In my opinion, Indominus would come rushing in. Indominus doesn't know what fear is because it hasn't learned how to fight with different animals. It just kills anything it meets. But it makes a big mistake with Ankylosaurus because I don't care what your weapons are. When you have a wrecking ball tail that can be swung into the ankle, one hit into the leg of Indominus Rex, and that dinosaur goes down. And Ankylosaurus slowly walks away and just keeps eating. It doesn't have any concern. It's not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. All that it knows is it just took out another carnivore. And it's going to go grab lunch. In my opinion, Izaki Packy and Kylosaurus wins that fight. Next is Lauren. Lauren wants to know who would win between Indominus Rex and Indoraptor. Ooh, Lauren's going for the two man-made monsters. Wow, this is an epic battle. I've already mentioned Indominus's unbelievable weaponry, but with Indo- Indoraptor, It has one advantage, and that is speed. As long as it can stay away from the jaws and claws of Indominus Rex, Indoraptor has a chance. Indoraptor would do exactly what it needs to do, and that is run circles around Indominus. Great big circle running faster and faster, and Indominus cannot turn that body for very long. It's not going to be able to do that. And all Indominus is doing is wearing itself out while Indoraptor is looking for the moment. And that moment comes when Indoraptor makes the corner and now Indominus's back is turned towards him. Indoraptor goes straight in as fast as it can, launching itself up onto the side and up onto the back of Indominus Rex. And that's where the fight begins. Indoraptor is using its claws to slash and tear, using its jaws to grab, and using its feet to kick with those claws. It looks like a tornado of weapons slashing, trying to get to Indominus Rex. The problem is, you're not going to hurt Indominus on his back. There's no vital thing you can get to. You have to get around to its throat. And that's where Indoraptor makes its mistake. It crawls around the front side to grab the throat, and that's when Indominus is able to get its hands on it. And the moment that happens, Indominus pulls it off, throws it to the ground, reaches down with its head, and the fight is over in seconds. Even though Indominus has tons of injuries to its neck and back, it will heal from those injuries. Indoraptor, unfortunately, won't get up. All right, Henry, Tyrannosaurus member Henry says, here's who my who would win. A pack of Velociraptors versus a Spinosaurus. Giant versus small. Well, the fight always is going to lean towards Spinosaurus. It's simply too big. But when you're dealing with a pack of raptors, they are coming in from all directions. Think about this. Look how big you are compared to a bee. But if you walked up and bumped a beehive, size doesn't matter. They're coming at you from all directions. No matter that you're 10 times bigger than they are, you can't fight them all off. The same thing with Spinosaurus. Spinosaurus is massively big. And if a bunch of raptors attack it, it's probably to take its food. Spinosaurus is going to snap and swing those claws and do everything it can to try to defend itself, but it cannot fight them all off. No, they're not going to kill Spinosaurus, but in this particular battle, Spinosaurus is going to back down. Henry, I think Spinosaurus is going to get back into the water. Now, if the raptors are fool fool enough to follow it in, they're all dead. Spinosaurus will kill every single one of them if they go into the water. But as long as they're on land, they're too fast. He simply cannot catch them. 
So in my opinion, the pack of raptors would win. Not that they would kill Spinosaurus, but it would that Spinosaurus would simply run away. All right. Uh, Hugo and Reuben. Spinosaurus versus Dinosaur George. What? Wait a, wait a minute. Don't put me in the ring with a Spinosaurus. I won't last a half a second. I've got no weapons. I'm slow. I'm old. You think I'm going to... Why would you kids throw me into the ring? Why are you throwing me into the ring? Shame on you. Okay, here's what would really happen. First, the dinosaur would look at me, and I look at him, and I say, do you really want a piece of this? And just as the Spinosaurus gets close and opens its mouth, I raise up my arm, and the smell from my armpit kills the Spinosaurus. My stinky powers have won. I am a superhero. El Stinko, the superhero who can kill with its deadly underarms. That's why I don't wear deodorant, kids. Because I'm a superhero. And my stink is legendary. Okay, in real life, Spinosaurus bites me in half and the game is over. But I like the stinky story better. <laughs> All right. Now, oh, oh, my newest little friends, Daisy and Zali. And Zali, I hope I pronounced that right. You just, I just saw both of you during your, when you joined us for your first um, club meeting. Um, and I think I said Zali, and I think that's it. Gosh, I hope so. I will see you guys on the next lessons. So please make sure and let me know if this isn't it. But these are my little friends from Australia. Uh, okay, here's theirs. Oh, this is nuts. Crylophosaurus, Pachycephalosaurus, and Andrew Sarkis in a three-way battle. What kind of craziness is this? You're bringing in animals from three different time periods. You're bringing, oh, this is a great one. Cryolophosaurus is going to have an advantage with teeth and claws. Pachycephalosaurus is probably going to be faster than either one of these. But Andrew Sarkis has the benefit of a giant brain. All three of these animals thrown into one pen or into one ring for a battle. Cryolophosaurus is making the first move. First thing it's going to do is it's going to go after Andrew Sarkis because it sees Andrew Sarkis as a potential threat. Pachycephalosaurus is going to go after either one of them simply because of their carnivores. Self-preservation. It's going to try to knock them down, ram them with their skull and knock them out of the fight. But I think the minute Crylophosaurus and Andrew Sarkis go at it, Pachycephalosaurus is probably going to run to the corner and stay out of the way. So between Andrew Sarkis and Crylophosaurus, I believe Andrew Sarkis's advantage is that it's a mammal or mammal-like. Yeah, it's a mammal. And since it's a mammal, it's got a way bigger brain and it's got much better fighting skills because it's thinking. It's not just reacting. In my opinion, dinosaurs reacted. They didn't think things out the way a mammal does. So I think Andrew Sarkis with those child gigantically big jaws and big powerful teeth would probably grab Crylophosaurus by one of its legs and pull backwards and bring it to the ground. And once Crylophosaurus is on the ground, getting up is a little difficult for a dinosaur like that. And Andrew Sarkis would go for the throat or for the stomach. I think Andrew Sarkis wins. But when that fight is over and it's got to fight Pachycephalosaurus, I think Pachycephalosaurus would put its head down and run at Andrew Sarkis. And if it lands a blow to the skull, to the side of the head, I think that the the great thing about a big brain is that it makes you smart. The bad thing about it is when you get it crushed, it's like a computer that goes offline. Andrew Sarkis could be knocked out, and I think Pachycephalosaurus would win between the two. But the only reason why I say that is because Andrew Sarkis would be tired from the battle. He would have sustained some injuries, and that's the only way. But if it wasn't for that, I think Andrew Sarkis would be the winner in all of them. All right, Bennett, my buddy Bennett, Argentinosaurus versus Brachiosaurus. Titans, Titan battle. These two only have a couple of weapons at their disposal. Their feet. 
Maybe they could kick with their feet. That doesn't sound like much, but you know, there's videos of elephants kicking lions with their feet. Listen, there's a lot of power behind that. So I think kicking would be one. I think ramming and pushing would be one. And maybe using their tail as a weapon. I just believe that Argentinosaurus's size makes it the victor in this particular battle. I don't think Brachiosaurus can deal with the sheer size, even though Brachiosaurus is big. In my opinion, Bennett, I would give it to Argentinosaurus only because of size. Okay, this is from Catherine. Catherine's battles are one of every terror bird versus three T-Rexes versus eight saber-toothed cats versus eight triceratops. Well, this battle is going to look like a war. The terror birds are not going to stand up very well in this battle. I can tell you right now because they're not made for fighting. They're made for grabbing and killing, but they are not confrontational birds. I believe they're the first ones to go. Saber-toothed cats, the only thing keeping them alive in this melee is that they're fast. But they do not have the necessary weapons to bite deep enough into Triceratops or T-Rex. I don't think they would have the jaw strength to penetrate the, the, the thick skin. They're better suited for, for baby mammoths and hippop- I mean, uh, baby mammoths and bison and deer. But I just don't think they are suited for these contestants. I think they're the second ones to go. And that leaves three T-Rexes and eight Triceratops, assuming that we haven't lost any of the Rexes or Triceratops. Three Rexes versus eight Triceratops. I still believe the Triceratops would win. Because with eight Triceratops, no matter where the attack is coming from, there will be horns facing you. They're not all going to look in the same direction. They're going to look in all directions. No matter where these three Rexes come from, there's going to be a set of horns waiting for them. And even if all three attack simultaneously, they're just... Triceratops is a very well-defended dinosaur. And it's big and it's got power behind it. In my opinion, when the dust settles from this war, there are probably going to be three Triceratops that survive. We've lost all the terror birds. We've lost all the saber-tooths. We've lost all of the Tyrannosaurus. And we've lost the majority of the Triceratops. Three Triceratops get out of the ring. Nobody else does. All right, Zach. Now, this is my little bro, Zach. Short-faced bear versus Utah Raptor. This is a classic matchup. I like this one a lot. Because this one is literally going to be the flip of a coin for me. All right. All of you listeners are going to have to decide this one. I'm leaving it to all of you. In 55 countries across the world, you're going to have to pick the winner. I am not going to pick the winner of this one because these are too evenly matched. But boy, would I love to see this. So, the short-faced bear. Power. Weapons. Intellect. Utah Raptor. Speed. Weapons. 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 Speed. You combine the the attributes of these two fighters, they are evenly matched in my opinion. The bear obviously could win if it ever grabbed Utah Raptor by the throat. But to do that, you've got to get through an arsenal of weapons. Utah Raptor could definitely kill the bear, assuming that it could get to the arsenal of weapons. I'm going to ask each one of you to figure it out. And if you guys would like... Go to DinosaurGeorge.com, to the Dinosaur George Kids website. Send me the contact form on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. I'm sorry. Go there and you tell me who, you tell me who the winner is. I'm going to ask all of you. Or if you are on our Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, post on there who you think would win. The Short Face Bear or Utah Raptor. Zach, you gave me one that's simply too hard to, to you, you got me. You got me, little bro. All right, and finally, the last one. This comes from Christopher, who wants to know, Plesiosaurus versus Megalodon versus Dinosaur George. Would you stop throwing me in these fights? Christopher, 
What is wrong with you, kid? Stop putting me into these battles. I don't stand a chance. Hugo and Ruben just threw me to a Spinosaurus, and now you're throwing me to a Megalodon and a Plesiosaurus? All right, in the battle, first of all, Megalodon is by far coming out the winner of the two sea animals. Plesiosaurs would not stand any chance whatsoever. Megalodon, simply too powerful, simply too gigantic. So that leaves Megalodon and me. So here's what happens. I'm swimming in the ocean one day, just enjoying my life. Suddenly I turn and I look. Coming through the water, I see a sailboat. Oh, that's not that scary. It's a sailboat. But as it gets closer, I go, wait, that's not a sail. That's a fin. That's a fin. That's a shark. It's the shark the size of a giant yacht. It's a, it's a shark bigger than an ocean liner. It's huge. And it's coming right at me. There's no way I'm going to outswim it. I certainly can't hold my breath and dive underwater and go to the bottom and find a place to hide. I've only got one weapon that can do this. And that is my deadly underarm body smell. It's my only chance. I raise both arms. I wave my arms under the water to try to disperse the smell. Fish begin to float up all around me, dying from the horrible odor. A crab swims up and takes its pinchers and covers its nose. Seagulls scream and run in terror. The water's turning bright green from the deadly smell. And the shark smells it and goes, dude, seriously? And that makes me the champion of the ocean. Okay, in real life, the shark would simply open its mouth and simply swallow me like a chicken nugget. <laughs> and that wraps up the Who Would Win. Now let's hear an interview with one of our T-Rex members. How would you like to be interviewed on a future podcast episode? Well, now you can. Become a Tyrannosaurus member of our Patreon club, and you might be chosen for an interview with Dinosaur George. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com to join the club. And now, let's meet a Tyrannosaurus Club member. All right, today's interview is with my buddy, Victor. Victor, how old are you, little man? Hmm, I'm... Let me guess, let me guess, you're 14. No, I'm 92. Six. 96? No, I'm six. Oh, you're six. You are six years old. Well, Victor, you know a lot. Oh, um, I take my shirt out. Oh, I like your shirt. It says Victor uh, Rex. Oh, so it looks like the Jurassic Park logo, but it's got your name on it. How cool is that? Yeah, it has my name on it, and it has the Jurassic Park logo, and it even has a six on it to show I'm six. See, I should have I should have read your shirt. I should have read your shirt. It said how old you were. It's my favorite shirt. I got it when I turned six, and that's why it's my favorite, because it fits really good, and I like the Jurassic Park logo. I do, too. So how long have you liked dinosaurs, Victor? Hmm. Well, as long as I'm two. I started like them when I was two years old. Two. And do you have a favorite dinosaur? No. That's hard to pick, isn't it? When somebody asks you who your favorite, it's like, I like a lot of them, right? Um, yeah. And one, it's, this is just one that I really like is Concavenator. That's Concavenator is one that I really like. He's so weird and so cool. Yeah. I just feel like that. That like hump on his back. I have no idea what that thing, what that hump was for. Oh, I have no idea. Well, I don't think anybody else really does either, Victor. And so, when you get older, if you decide to be a scientist, uh, maybe you'll figure it out. I don't know what that hump was, but he he is a cool looking dinosaur, isn't it? I like Concavenator. So, um, what about other 
prehistoric animals. Because, you know, whenever we do lessons, you always know things about some of the saber tooths and some of those. Are there other animals that you like as well? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to show you my massive book. Whoa, that book is huge. Oh, and I'm going to go to one of the pages. It has this massive dog-like animal, and I really want to show you it. So it doesn't just have dinosaurs. It has all kinds of animals, right? Found it. What is it? Is that Andrew Sarkis? Yeah. Oh, man, what a terrifying creature. My Ladon in this. Nice. Yeah, Andrew Sarkis kind of looks like a dog, but he kind of looks like a bear, doesn't it? Oh, and this also shows you how big they were, and I have a Megalodon. Whoa. Well, everybody loves Megalodon. So are you a good reader? Um, no, I only know how to read one book, a dino truck. Well, that's all right. Hey, you're learning to be a good reader. Everybody learns to be a good reader. So I want to ask you something else. Now, I know you know a lot about dinosaurs, but what about some of the other things you like? Like, do you like space or do you like anything else? What Do you have other subjects? Nature. You like nature? Bears are omnivores anyways. Yeah, you're right. Bears are omnivores. Very good. So you know about animals too, right? You know, one of the best things about knowing about living animals, Victor, is that when you think about prehistoric animals, it helps you understand them. Animals too. The ancient animals and see if they related or see if they look like each other and stuff. Right. It helps. Oh, and, oh, and I found something so cool. What? I found this entire, um, 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 I don't have no idea what animal it is. I found a skeleton and I broke open the skull and there's like this spongy stuff inside. And it has kind of short fangs and, the, and I didn't touch it because it might have disease. I touched it with a stick. Yeah, that's and that's a smart thing to do. You never pick up bones from animals that died because you don't know why they died. Yeah, but, I touched it with a stick. Right. And I would like naturally or die because of a disease. Yeah, exactly. Or to get the disease, so I touched it with a stick. Yeah, and that's a good plan. It might have... When I found a spongy material. Sure. It might have been a raccoon, or it might have been a possum. If it had sharp teeth, it may have been a coyote, depending on how big it was. Um, The school was about this big. That's big, and that's probably a coyote. That's probably a dog. Yeah, or a fox. It could have been a fox. Yeah, I think it's a fox. And that may be what it is. Yeah, because you live in Pennsylvania, right? No, no, no. I live in Georgia. And George, I'm sorry. Is your cousin, does she live in Pennsylvania? Why do I? That's what it is. That's oh, r- lives in Georgia. That's, that's right. So if it was... Georgia. Yeah, if it was Georgia, then it was either a fox or could have been a coyote. Uh, that's probably what it was. So what do you want to be when you grow up, Victor? Have you thought about that yet? A scientist. Whoa! So is there something you'd really like to study? Hmm. Mostly ancient animals. Because I have this awesome book. Oh, and it has a really cool fairies and a stores in it. Whoa. That is so cool. So you want to be a scientist. Now, would you like to be a scientist that goes out and like studies things outside, or do you want to work in a laboratory? Hmm. I haven't decided that yet. Well, you still got a one or two years before you have to worry about that, right? No. Yeah, exactly. A lot of time to decide. Yeah, you do have a lot of time. I mean, you're only 26, so you still have plenty of time. to. Oh, I'm six. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting you're a kid. I, I thought you were an adult. <laughs> I only am four feet tall anyways. Well, you're going to be taller than me, though. You're almost as tall as me, and you're only six. Yeah, and my brother is almost as tall as me. My brother is this tall. Whoa. Three. Oh. My brother is old. My little brother was bigger than me. My little brother still is taller than me. That's crazy, man. Yeah, he's uh, he's as tall as my neck. Woo! Bubble is uh is re- is only three, and I'm six, but he's really catching up. He he's really catch 
catching up with me in height. All right. Do you teach him about dinosaurs? Do you play dinosaurs with him? Yeah. Most of it. Most of the time, Luke and me play evil trucks or dinosaurs. Mostly, we throw trucks. Luke plays with trucks and I play with dinosaurs and we make them meet. It is the coolest thing ever. Oh, and there's the so-called dino trucks. Well, there's a lot of fighting, but there are dinosaurs, but there are trucks shaped like dinosaurs. It is so cool. Oh, that does sound cool. Now, have you ever been to a museum before? Can you think of any museums? So a lot of museums. One is called Jurassic Quest, and there you can actually make your own dinosaur skulls and dig up dinosaur bones. Oh, that is the coolest thing ever. Did you get oh, to dig them up? Oh, and there are all these massive dinosaur models, and you add moves. Oh, do you... massive jaws that can snap shut. Oh, and there's also a massive megalodon. Nice. And it even has the realistic colors, tie-dye. Oh. It, it has black on the top and white on the bottom. It is the coolest place ever. And there's also this place called Foam Bake. And there was a massive Giganotosaurus and an Argentinosaurus fighting. And, and, and there's this awesome Stegosaurus at the back. Nice. Do you like Stegosaurus? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he's pretty cool myself. And, I, and there's an allosaurus in my book. Ooh, it's my favorite it's dinosaur. Red horns. Yeah. It, it's the coolest allosaurus I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, and it's even real sized. Ooh, now that's pretty cool. That's, yeah. That's cool. It's way bigger than me or my mom. Nice. Now, you were telling me when I first talked to you, you were doing... Uh, is it an online class about dinosaurs? Yeah, it's called my dinosaur college class of Alberta, Canada. Nice. Nice. So that's with Dr. Phil Curry's group. Um, it, no, 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 no. The teacher's name is um, Scott. Ah, but I think it was through, is it through the Al, uh, the University of Alberta? Is that where it's... It, yeah, I think Dr. Curry was the one that, that created that. I think he had something to do with it because I remember how many uh, how many uh, chapters have you been through? Do you know? Two. Two. And how many are there to before you graduate? Five. Whoa. So what chapter are you on right now? Do you remember? Two. Chapter two. And what's in chapter two? And it's all about um, ichthyosaurs. Ichthyosaurs. So, do the so they don't just teach you about dinosaurs. They're just teaching you about paleontology, right? Yeah. There's one about when when dinosaurs were extinct. There's one about dinosaurs. One and one about the aquatic problem. Nice. So that's the one you're doing now is the aquatic animals. Yeah. Now, is an ichthyosaur a dinosaur? Nope. That a boy. Can you reptile? Nice. Are pterodactyls dinosaurs? Nope. They're flying reptiles. Nicely done. And what do you have in your hand right now? A pterosaur, dimorphodon. Whoa, dimorphodon. And look at that long tail. And check out those teeth. Ooh, it's got a lot of really sharp teeth. Yeah, what? and they're extra big in the front. Why do you think their teeth were bigger in the front? The cat's slippery feet. Fish, and I think the back ones will need to cut them up. Ah, so it has different kinds of teeth. Very interesting. Different reasons, but both the catch and eat the prey. Very nice. Very nice. You know, you had mentioned the Fernbank Museum is one of the ones that you went to. When you saw that Giganotosaurus, did you know they were that big? Yeah. That's a big dinosaur, isn't it? Oh, and there's also one called Little Foam Bake, and they don't as, have as many dinosaurs, but they do have a massive Archelon. Nice. And what is Archelon? A giant sea turtle that lived after the dinosaurs. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could see an Archelon? Oh, yeah. Oh, and there's this show called Nigel Mulvin and... There are three episodes. There are actually um, 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 
Um, one, two, three, four, five, three books, three episodes in one, and one episode in one. All right, so there's one with three episodes, and that's all about seven deadly seas. Oh. Seven deadly seas. Oh, and um, 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 uh, there are one where he meets Pharaohs in the source, and another where he meets T Rex. Nice. All the coolest things ever. <laughs> a show called Nigel Marvin. Yep. I've got to see it. And it, oh, and it's on. It's on Discord. You, um, 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 uh, it's on Curiosity Stream. If you see a guy flying in an airplane, you'll press on that. Oh, and one, oh, and actually, he needs Giganotosaurus and Argentine Source in one. He needs Sea Monsters, and he needs Ferris in the Source and Torbosaurus. They are the coolest things ever. <laughs> um, they also need some duckbills. Nice. Well, I've seen the show, and I know what you're talking about. I think he sees Dunkleosteus, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that show. I wish I could meet him. He seems like a nice guy. His name is Nigel Marvin. Yep, I absolutely know. I've, I've heard of Nigel Marvin. I've never met him, but I know of him. All right, I've got one more question, and this is the most important question in the world. Are you ready? Yep. What is better, carrots or peppers? Hmm. Well, I will. I eat peppers a bit more than carrots because I got a wiggly tooth. You got a wiggly tooth? Yeah, and I lost a tooth. Nice. The reason why I asked you that question is every time we would have a lesson, you were always eating peppers right before the lesson would begin. So you're my little pepper eater. <laughs> That's why I asked that. So, Victor, if you could travel back in time to see one animal that used to exist, you only get to pick one, what would you like to see? Hmm. Hmm. This is a hard question. I would really like to see Concavenator and when did he did. That's a good choice. One guy that I would like to see. Yeah, wouldn't it be cool to see what color they were and yeah, yeah, how they how they move? They had a jump as hook was bright red Ooh. and and their body was a whitish, bluish, and greenish color. Nice. Very like to see what what concavenator looked like. Yeah. Oh and I got tetrasaurus and stegosaurus in here. Oh cool. I even have a and I even have a tetrasaurus and it and it's pretty big. I'll show you. Oh, that is a big book. Oh, yeah. Kentrosaurus is huge in that book anyway. How oh, big it is. Oh, that's big. And I love those spikes all over him. Yeah, me too. I really like that he's half plates and half spikes. And I really like those spikes on his side. Yeah, those are good weapons. So, Victor, do you like being in the in our Patreon club? Oh, yeah. I'm glad. So is there a lesson you would like for me to teach in, in a Patreon meeting? Is there something you'd like to learn about? I would like to see a Concavenator episode. So maybe we do a lesson about, or you know what? Maybe I can do a podcast on Concavenator. Yeah. I would like a podcast or really anything about Concavenator because he is so weird and cool. That, well, I think he's cool enough to deserve his own lesson or his own. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll do a lesson on Concavenator. <laughs> your poor, your poor pterosaur. All right, Victor, listen, buddy, I appreciate it. And I'm so glad that you were able to find time to do this. I hope you enjoyed your interview. I suspect, Victor, in your career, you'll be interviewed a lot more times than this, just this one. Would you like to say something to all the listeners all over the world? Mm, no, thank you. <laughs> Would you like to tell them goodbye? Yeah, bye. See you, little Victor. Thank you, buddy. Bye. All right, my friends. Victor is such a good guy. 
Victor, I sure enjoy having you as my buddy. And I'm glad that you are a member of the Patreon Club. If you have a suggestion for a future episode subject, is there an animal that you would like for me to do a a podcast episode on? Either go to dinosaurgeorge.com and click on the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page. And there's a form where you can type in your suggestions and send it. It'll get to me. Or go to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, join that group, and you can send me your suggestions there. Same thing with your questions for the Ask Dinosaur George segment. Use either one of those to send me a question. Remember, for a Who Would Win, you have to be a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. I hope you guys enjoyed today's lesson. I have so many animals lined up. Uh, some really interesting ones. So I hope you are enjoying these podcasts to all of you in all 55 countries and whatever new countries join the list. Thank you. Thank you for enjoying this podcast for everybody. If you know somebody that likes dinosaurs, please let them know about our podcast. The more people that join, the better. For all of you, take care of yourselves and the people around you. Be kind to your parents. Be kind to everybody because it makes the world a much better place, okay? All right, I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Thank you for listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time... Keep digging for knowledge.